Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning. Last week, we looked at marriage in the context of God's design, and this week we want to look at God's design for families and the gospel as central to everything we do as parents. The family is the means that God communicates and preserves and expands his kingdom, and the home is where his truths are taught and lived out. Some of you don't have children, or maybe you're out of the season of parenting young kids, no kids in your home, but you are so valued, and you're valued in the lives of the families and the kids around you. You can have an impact for eternity. We hope you know that and remember that this morning. In our culture, there tends to be a separation of age groups, and so as Andrew mentioned earlier, Family Sunday is really important to us because we want the kids in our church to know how valued they are. We love having families have the chance to worship together um, as families. That's really important to us. So we love Family Sundays. We love the kids being in here with us too. We shared last week that we have five kids. We have two biological sons, a daughter and a son who were born in China and adopted as toddlers. And we have our youngest who is two. She's our foster daughter. She's been with us since she was two months old and her parents are working on reuniting with her, so we've been supporting them in that process. And foster care hasn't been easy. It's not an easy um, road to walk, but for our family, it's grown us, it's helped us understand a different side of love. Um, Our four kids, in the over four years that we've been doing foster care, we've had six little ones come through our home And our four kids have helped take incredible care of them and just have a heart for the kids that are in our home, and we love to see that. We we so appreciate them in that. Do you want to pray as we get started? We'll dive in. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we continue to look at this um, theme that was preached by Jesus, this theme of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and your role as king in our lives. Uh, we ask that you might um, bring us into alignment, Lord God, with your will and your kingship as it relates to our families, Lord. Um, we are all sons and daughters, and many of us have also been blessed to be uh, fathers and mothers as well. And so as we unpack the, your word this morning together, may, uh, may we get a fresh vision for what it means to be in the season that we are in, Lord. Uh, for those parents that are in the room or that are online, Um, May they be inspired by your word. May they be encouraged by your great love. And so would you speak today to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gospel-centered parenting happens in the context of mission. How has God called us to live, and how do we walk that out? Following Jesus, for me, has been the single best decision I've ever made. I have never been bored as a Christian following Jesus. But do my kids know that? Do they see that in my life? Kids are not a distraction from real life. They're a gift. They're a high calling. Psalm 127 tells us, 
We'll put it up on the board. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is a family verse, a family psalm. Unless God is at the center of our families, then we're building without a purpose. We can't build something of eternal value. This passage compares children to arrows. Arrows are sent out. We have to parent with the end in mind. What's our long-term goal? What are our kids going to take with them based on the foundation that we're laying for them? Our role is to shape them to be set out with their heart set in the right direction. So it's been interesting as we've been walking through this series, uh, so much of our focus has been on uh, how the kingdom of God affects today. But as we continually zoom out, we see that the character and nature of God was at work and really in full view of everyone from the very beginning of creation and how that character and nature then uh, plays out throughout the Old Testament into the redemption of Jesus through the New Testament in the church. And so when we think of this, uh, what it means to be kingdom parents and have kingdom-oriented families, we have to start with the heart of God. And one of the most common attributes given to God is God as Father, or you could say the Father heart of God. And while the most preached theme of uh, Jesus' ministry is the kingdom of God, the most common language that is used of the people of God is family language. So we see God as Father, yes, but then what does that imply for those of us that belong to his family? That we're brothers and sisters. So look around the room real quick. Everybody in this room is your brother and sister in Christ. And so this language of family informs how we relate with each other and how we are to view God. And that's different than so many other religions, which where God is far out, where he maybe is angry or judgmental, or you have to appease him in some certain way. But the father heart of God allows us to approach him in a different way. One of my favorite verses that captures the Father heart of God, partly because of our family makeup, is Galatians 6, or sorry, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says this, because you are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you were his child, God has made you also an heir. There's so many themes of this that are captured in our culture, in the movies that we celebrate. One of the ones I remember as a, as a child was uh, Orphan Annie. And if you remember her, she's adopted by a very rich man. And all of a sudden, she goes from nothing to everything, this idea of, of being an heir. But the word that captures my heart the most in this is this word, Abba. Abba, Father. And, and probably the closest translation, and it's not translated in there, it's just left, and I like that, actually. But the closest translation to Abba is like daddy. That we can approach God, the creator of everything, and say, daddy, daddy. That's his father's heart that's on display for us. Later on, the, the outworking of this in the early church would be seen, I think, described really well in 1 John chapter 3, where it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Yeah. 
Like what a beautiful identity statement that is. So if we are children of God, then we are brothers and sisters. And we can then zoom out a little bit and say, okay, so God created us for relationship with him first as our father and then with each other. And so where do we first experience relationship? Within our families. So families are important. And remember we talked uh, several weeks ago about how the image of God, how both men and women reflect who God is. So yes, while his father's heart is the most talked about attribute, did you also know that God is described as a mother in Scripture? The mother heart of God. Yes, let's look at two real briefly places here. Isaiah chapter 66 says this, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Luke verses 13 through 34, verse 34 says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. So it's the father heart of God is clearly on display, but also these attributes that are unique to mothers as well. So family is God's design. And the roles that fathers and mothers play reflect the very nature of God himself. So when we think of this phrase that Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this is language of transformation and vision that we should have for our families. So much of our um, life is based on kind of what we feel in the moment and then how we react to the things that come at us. So when you're younger, you're what? You're forced to go to school, right? (laughs) And so you have to do what is given to you to do. You, You react to that. You do the assignments given to you. Or when you're older, right, and you begin to finally take your health seriously, but it happens what? Because you went to the doctor and he said, if you don't, your time on this earth is short. Right? You, you, we often react to things that come our way. But love, like, like real love, is more than a feeling and more than just a reaction to something that is going well in your life. Love, as the Bible portrays it, has purpose, and it has intention. And we see this best displayed in the life of Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday. As Jesus marches into the city in a triumphal entry, he knows that he is marching to his death. But he's doing that out of love. And so when we think about our role as parents, and I don't care how old you are, if you still have kids, you're still their parent. When we think of our roles as parents, our jobs are to love our kids on purpose. Not just when we feel like it, not just when we have to, but with intention. We don't really think of love this way much in our culture because of the way culture portrays love as feelings or as something that meets our needs. But love has a purpose. Let me just briefly share kind of Three things that I try and keep in mind as I purposefully love my children. One is, I love my kids because they are worth loving. My kids are inherently valuable. Like nothing they do or say will make them more 
valuable. And I remember this selfishness of my love being completely unpacked when my firstborn was laying there on his bed, on, on our bed, just a few days old. And I was, looked at him and I go, I love you. And I, and I couldn't contain the feelings. And he just filled his diaper. Like that's, how, that's all he did. Like he, 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 he had no way, he, he didn't even know who I was. And he had no way to express that love back to me. And I thought, wow, how selfish I am. Uh, it was on full display. So I have learned to love my kids just for the very sake that they are worth loving. They're valuable. They're made in the image of God. That's true for all of us. Number two, I love my kids because I want them to know that I am for them. Like I'm on their side. I, want, I have their best in mind. And so I love my kids on purpose so that they will know that. And when they know that, there then becomes a heart connection between the two of us. They may not like all the things that I do, right? But many of us know that, right? Our parents disciplined us for a reason, because they loved us. They were for us. So I want my kids to know that I am for them. And then lastly, I love my kids because I want them to know the love of God. If, if God is like a father, I'm going to be imperfect, right? And, and let's be honest, when we hear that, many of us, we impose or transpose our earthly father onto our heavenly father. So our earthly father was not in the picture. Our, our earthly father only loved us when we did the right things. Our earthly father left us. And so it, it's natural to, to transpose our relationship or lack of relationship onto God. But I, so I want to love in a way that makes them see God. That makes them know that God loves them as well. So let's turn to Deuteronomy 6. We want to look at a verse together. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. This is one of Andrew and I's favorite guiding verses mm -hmm. for parenting. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you drive in your car, you could say, <laughs> when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses. Put them in a frame on your wall <laughs> and on your gates. This verse starts with knowing who God is and loving him with all, our whole heart. And then out of that, modeling our walk with the Lord for our kids. We disciple our children out of our own walk with the Lord, right? Not just on Sunday mornings not just on a special devotion time, but any time, mm -hmm. all the time, every opportunity that we have. We're not trying to raise good kids. We're not trying to be good people. We're trying to go deeper to the heart. Mm. We're trying to raise kids who don't just look good and do the right thing when no one's watching. Mm. We're trying to raise kids who are strong on the inside, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are we teaching our kids? They have a helper. 
to help them make choices with the freedom that God's given them. If your goal is to control your kids, you will be disappointed. <laughs> we can't control their behavior, right? We can't control other people's choices. We'll be disappointed. We probably won't be close with our kids if that's our highest goal. If our goal is to raise a child that understands God's heart for them and for them to find fulfillment in Jesus, then we'll need to model that with our life, with our words and with our actions. And we'll need to build them up. Training kids to have integrity means they learn not to compromise themselves. What they say matches what they do, no matter who's around. And parenting is a long-haul investment. We talked about that, like with marriage. We're thinking long-term. We don't see some of the fruit of our parenting and our training for years. And so we have to be consistent and, and trust God to see that eventually. Do we have a long-term vision for parenting? Do we see it as eternal work? So there's this verse that's often shared in the church, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, called the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go into all the nations and preach the gospel, teaching people everything I have commanded you. And we often think of this as this outward kind of thing, right? This thing that we do. And uh, some years ago, I kind of had this like aha moment. And um, we were, I, was, I wasn't a pastor at that time. We were in between uh, ministry positions. And I was thinking about all the, the work that I put into other people, all the, the lunches and prayer meetings and the sermons preached and all the ministry that I had done. And for that season of, of in that moment of my life, I wasn't a pastor. And so I started thinking about, man, who am I supposed to disciple? How, how, how is this supposed to work? And I feel like the Lord spoke to me and says, hey, there are four people right in front of you that you're to disciple, my own children. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, if I could only be as a third as effective, you know, Jesus had those 12 with him. If I could just be as a third as effective as Jesus and just disciple my own children, then hey, I, I will rest well in the end of my life. Um, so one of the, the, the things we, we should think about is who is discipling our children. And the reality is we're all being discipled. Discipler, discipling means teaching, right? We're all being discipled by something or someone. And the same is true with our kids. So if you were to ask that question, if you were to evaluate who has input into your children's life, who is teaching them something, you would probably come up with a list of a handful of things, right? So they're teachers at school. They're, they're teaching them. They're discipling them. They're friends that they hang out with. How many of you learn really uh, bad things from your friends, right? Like, we're taught these things by the people we hang out with. The, the media we consume, it influences us. It directs us in a certain way. And I don't care how old you are, right? It, it gets you to think in a way that maybe you weren't thinking before you watched that show. So whether it's school, media, social media, friends, as parents, we ought to be asking what are the primary influences in our children's lives. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. So what are we allowing into the children's, to our children's hearts and minds? So Jesus commissions his followers to make disciples, and there is no more important place to start than right in the home.
Paul urges fathers in Ephesians 6 and in Colossians 3.21 not to discourage their children, not to provoke them to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of Christ. Our vision of parenting then isn't just discipline. It's not just training your kids in discipline, but it's broad in terms of encouraging and affirming them. Godly parents reflect the heart of God by telling them often that they're deeply loved, that they're deeply valued. Mm. And the world will offer our kids and us, all of us, right? The world offers us opportunities to belong or to find out things that the world thinks about who we are. If our words of love and affirmation as parents are loud enough, Mm. then we'll reflect God's heart for our kids and they'll know their identity our words will be louder than the world's words. The first words recorded in the Gospels spoken by the Father to the Son are words of affirmation. It says in Mark 1.11, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. That's God speaking to Jesus. The Greek word for childbearing doesn't just mean parental discipline, but it's a a bigger word for training and nurture. To nurture is to care for and encourage the growth or development of someone. We have to get to the heart of what really matters with our kids. Empathize with them, let them be heard. If we use shame and harshness in our parenting, we can't build them up into who God's created them to be. Bad behaviors and attitudes, of course, have to be dealt with, right? We do train those things. We do address them. But we have to remember they often point to what's going on deeper The behaviors often reflect what's going on deep in the heart of our kids. Any discipline or correction we do is in the context of staying connected with our kids and finding out what's really going on deep inside. A family that's full of grace for each other means that in the messiness of poor choices, of training, that love and acceptance are always in place. Those things never change no matter what behaviors or choices are made. Love and acceptance are in place no matter what. Is our home a safe place for kids to see how messy relationships can be and then be repaired well? They need to find out how to repair relationships Mm -hmm. before they move on from our home. We can't fix the people in our lives, and our kids need to learn that too, right? We don't control the people around us. But the Holy Spirit can empower us and empower our kids to do what's right in God's eyes, to be concerned about pleasing him, not controlling the people around us. And whenever possible, natural consequences are going to teach the lesson for us a lot better. Punishment is usually rooted in fear, but consequences for things that match the action as closely as possible are going to be remembered better than a fear-based punishment. So another thing, too, that we are really big on is giving kids choices Mm -hmm. to help them learn how to use their will. Uh, For example, with little ones, as young as two, maybe one, depending on the kids, uh, you warn them not to dump out that cup of water on the floor, right? You catch their eye and you kind of see, you know what they're about to do. And you might simply help them clean it up if they dump it out if they can't clean it up on their own. No anger needed, they just make it right with you, right? Little ones learn to make it right. 
There's no yelling. There's no anger. Or maybe you grab the cup before they dump it and give them a choice. Do you want to finish drinking that or dump it in the sink? Right? Give them a choice that you like the outcome of. That works really well, too. As kids get older, choices continue to work well. Do you want to finish your chore now or finish it when the rest of us are going to watch a movie in a little bit? You choose. Either one's fine with me. Or natural consequences for an older child or teen could be the homework wasn't done on Friday when it was supposed to be. You miss out on some time with something on Saturday you were hoping to do because kids need to learn how to make things right. Mm -hmm. Punishment, yelling, anger, that doesn't teach. But if kids learn to, one, make the right choices, so we give them choices that we're okay with, that we're gonna like the outcome of, but we share the power a little bit because kids, the older they get, the more freedom they get, right? So choices from a young age, give them chances to work out that self-will, that self-discipline to make good choices. I remember, as you were talking, I remember one of our sons who, I won't name because no, he's in this room. No, can't do that. <laughs> uh, we had a, a, a bin full of beans that the kids could play in, kind of like a sensory thing. And he's I came. Pretty little too. He's pretty. He's probably three, three and a half. I came downstairs, and they were spread across the entire floor. Imagine like little beans just in the carpet everywhere. And I looked at him, and I thought, I don't want to clean this up. And so I said, Guess what? You get to do. You get to clean this up. And after a lot of back and forth, and about two hours, he cleaned up every one of those beans from the floor, and he never did it again. <laughs> Natural consequence. Now, some kids will <laughs> test your theory more than once, but this, yes, this particular child <laughs> caught on faster. Yeah. But really, we're talking about not using anger, not using yeah. shame, not using things that belittle a child, but things that empower a child to repair. Yep. Repair what it is that they've done wrong. Because someday, right, they will have full freedom. And if they don't show up on time, the job is lost. You know, the stakes get higher as they get older. So the consequence has to closely match the action or the behavior that you're trying to change. Because we teach our kids to use and try out their freedom and then live with the consequences, we can't be quick to jump in and fix mistakes. That is like the best way kids learn is to make mistakes. We love mistakes. Mistakes our grown-up opportunities, yeah. right, to learn. That's how we grow. We can't be quick to let our kids not experience the consequence of that. But then we're free to be on our kids' side. We're disappointed in something with our kids. We're problem-solving with our kids. Yeah. It's not an against-each-other relationship. It is for our child, together, walking out. Yeah, so I mean, when we look at the scriptural kind of process, the scriptural themes that are laid out and, and from Deuteronomy, which just Jessica read just a few minutes ago, one of the things I love about that so much is this idea is you're parenting, you're teaching, you're discipling your kids in the everyday stuff of life, like as you go. Uh, the early church saw this as well, and they saw this connection in Ephesians chapter 6, says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, is referencing uh, the Ten Commandments there. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it might go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. But then there's also an instruction here to parents, really specifically to fathers. Do not exasperate your children. And it just ties in with that. How do we approach them in this training? Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And so it's really important as we, as we look at our role as parents 
that we understand that we have to teach our children good uh, processes for consequences or how to obey and respect. And children learning to obey and honor their earthly parents provides also a model for their relationship with God. So this is where they first learn about honor, obedience, instruction. And so the way that parents are to lead their children isn't demeaning or demanding, but with love. You know, last Sunday in our message on kingdom marriage, we briefly mentioned that healthy marriages don't revolve around the children, uh, and the same is true of healthy homes. With both marriage and family, we want to have a Christ-centered, not a child-centered home. So again, the idea is as we are walking out the everyday stuff of life, we are teaching our children, we're centering our homes on the truths of Jesus. And so the way that we teach them about God happens just naturally in those situations. So when we talk about a Christ-centered home, we're not talking about neglecting or marginalizing our kids, like be quiet and stay where you are. We're talking about centering our family culture on the ways of Jesus, this kingdom come mentality. So what is your family culture? Every family has one, right? What does togetherness look like in your family? Yeah. When, when do you most often, as a family, collectively experience joy or peace? Can you think the last time that there was a collective shared experience of that in your home? What does in your family love and service, giving to others, look like? These are the attributes of the kingdom. So what do these look like in our homes? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So listen, a huge part of being a parent is sacrifice. And that's, that's important. And that's, again, what we are modeling for our kids, just as Christ loved us. An even bigger part of being a parent is sanctification. Do you know that word? It's the process of becoming more like Jesus. If you want to be more like Jesus, have kids. They're going to teach you patience. They're going to teach you sacrificial love, gentleness, joy. I mean, they're going to teach you the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's going to come through being a parent. So these are important things to recognize as we walk through this journey of being parents. But we need to make sure that more important than soccer practice or having the latest video games, that our homes are centered on Jesus. One of the biggest hopes we have for our kids is that they'd find their identity in Christ, mm. that they know they're loved, they're valued, that they belong to him. We want our kids to know where their value and worth is found, yeah. not in who someone else says they are, but who God says they are. They'll run into all kinds of situations, right, where they'll be tempted to listen to someone else's version of who they should be. Mm. They'll run into situations that tempt them to believe something about themselves that's just not true. And so we, we know they may still feel the sting of those situations, but if their identity is rooted in Christ, they don't have to wonder who they are. They don't have to wonder how valuable they are. 
That's the goal is that they'd find their identity in Christ. And if we model a life of faith and we share with them how we struggle through things or how God is answering our prayers or not answering our prayers, Mm -hmm. if we share those things with them, then they have a firsthand picture of what a faith journey looks like, what a life of faith looks like. God is our source for fulfillment. Our kids need to find God as their source for fulfillment. And we have to model repentance for them. We have to ask forgiveness in our family Mm. often and authentically. (laughs) There's a quote. Do you want to put the quote up? There's a quote by Tony Evans that I absolutely love. He has a great book about kingdom parenting as well. The truth about kingdom love is simple and biblical. Love is as love does. Your children will follow what you model. They'll know you are loved by what you do. Mm, That's good. That's really good. So as we think about our role as parents, one of the things that's important to, to remember in the moment that you're sitting in right now is that it's never too late. It's never too late to hope for reconciliation with an estranged son or daughter that you may have. I mean, remember, one of the most poignant parables is the parable of the prodigal son. So if you're, if you're listening this morning, you go, man, I, I, my relationship is so fractured. I haven't talked to my son or my daughter for years. It's never too late to hope for reconciliation. It's never too late as a parent to repent yourself for the culture that you've created or for the the role you've abdicated as a father and a mother. It's never too late to make a change in your home. God is a God of second and third and fourth chances. And so as parents, we need to be honest with ourselves and Walk in repentance if we need to be. And it's never too late to be a conduit of grace, like a channel, a fire hose of grace. That As we walk daily in Jesus' grace for us, that we would first see God's heart for us as a son and daughter. And then we would be able to extend that same heart to our children. It's a beautiful model. It's a beautiful love that Jesus has given to us. And that's the love that we can walk out as parents. So I want to pray for, our, for all of us that our parents have children in the room today. Would you stand with me? Or actually, Jessica is going to pray. Yeah, why don't you pray for us, Jess? And as the worship team comes up to, to prepare to sing. Father, thank you so much for each person here, each person listening online in their homes and just the opportunity to look at these scriptures, to unpack what it looks like to see your design in families and in parenting. God, we fall short so often, but you are a perfect father, a loving father. You're the model for us, and we need you, Lord. God, I pray for each person in the room who's hurting or who has a need, God, who has um, hurt that they're working through or a relationship that they want to see changed, Lord. We, we bring those things to you, God. You're the one that can move and work in ways that we can't even imagine. So, God, we lift up the things that are on our hearts to you, the hurts, the pain, because you're the source, God. And thank you that you're the source of our, our fulfillment. Thank you for each of the kids in our service today, in the 
um, kids' area. God, thank you for them. Thank you for just a church that has all ages. We just so love that, God, from oldest to youngest. We're grateful for that, God. We love you. We love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.